Train Review, Print Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast, recorded at Bishop Briggs Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at Q in Review, that is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at cunereview.com. That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M. Or by calling 0141 772 That's 0141 772 The Glasgow Times on Thursday, the 2nd of February, 2023. Cambus Lang Dad shed four stone and saved life after discovering boxing. An article by Kirsty Fierick and read by me, Corey. A suicidal dad turned his life around and shed four stone after discovering his love of boxing. David Hamilton from Cambus Lang tried to take his own life after suffering an extreme mental health crisis during lockdown. The 39-year-old felt like a burden as he was struggling with money worries. The breakdown of his marriage, alcohol abuse and lack of self-care. He decided something had to change and a desperate bid to change his life and attended Braveheart's boxing gym in Hamilton. David credits the sport with saving his life, as it lets him balance his mental health and focus his mind. He told the Glasgow Times, I had a mental health breakdown and just felt like a burden and like there was no getting better. I was missing for hours, no one knew where I was and I just sat crying and thinking about ending things. Looking back now, I realise I didn't actually want to die. I just didn't want to keep living this life. I had been drinking too much, my diet was a mess, and I just wasn't looking after myself at all. Things are so different for me now. Getting into boxing saved my life. It really helps me balance my mental health and focus my mind. I have lost about four stone now, and I feel I have a lot less anxiety. Just under three quarters of all suicides in Scotland are males. Almost half, 46%, were aged 35 to 54, according to the Scottish Government. People living in Scotland's most deprived areas remain more than three times more likely to die by suicide than those living in the least deprived areas. Recent figures published in August 2022 showed 753 deaths by suicide were recorded in 2022 which is the lowest level since 2017. However, there was an increase here between men aged 65 and 84, and people aged between 25 and 34. David is now trying to raise awareness to remind others that suicide is preventable. He believes talking about your problems can save lives, but when he was at his lowest, felt unable to reach out to friends. The dad of one is encouraging other men to help remove the stigma so less lives are lost. He told the Glasgow Times, To be honest, I had been ill for some time. I was so stressed and just kept making bad decisions. I'd had anxiety since I was really young, 
but I never talked about it or asked for help. I think that made it much worse. I would never have gone down the pub and told my pals how bad things were, and I think a lot of guys are the same. Being a man, it does make it harder to open up about your feelings. But it shouldn't be like that. We need to change something. Talking it out helps so much though. As soon as you see it, there's a massive weight lifted off you, and things start to get better. I really want to raise awareness, so people start being honest about how they feel and seek help because it saves lives. David finally got some relief after working out, which helped him tackle other problems in his life. He's now urging others to get involved in boxing and other sports that will give them the same outlet he got from joining Braveheart's boxing gym. He said, People think boxing as a really violent and aggressive sport, but it can be more than that. It is a great stress relief and is good for all ages. I got a real relief from hitting the bag after years of built-up tension. It was like an escape. Now I'm there six days a week and it really keeps my mind occupied. Anyone who's feeling lost or struggling should give it a try. It might change your life like mine. David is now taking on a major challenge that will see him run 100 miles in just 24 hours to raise awareness for mental health at the end of March. You can donate to his challenge on Just Giving. Um, Simply search... It is what it is, 100 mile run in under 24 hours. Suicide is preventable by seeking help and support whatever you're going through. You can reach out to the Samaritans for free anytime help on 116123. That phone number again is 116123. Or email joe at samaritans.org again that's joe j-o at samaritans s-a-m-a-r-i-t-a-n-s dot org campaign against living misery cam for men is able to help on 0800 that phone number again is 0800 5pm to midnight every day. You can also text SHOUT on 85258. Again, that's 85258 for 24-hour support in a crisis. That article is from the Glasgow Times, it was written by Kirsty Freerick, and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times, on Thursday the 2nd of February 2023. Glasgow man attacked ScotRail staff and passenger on train. An article by Lauren Brownlee, and read by me, Corey. A man who attacked ScotRail employees and a train passenger has been sentenced in court. Jason Jack, 29, pleaded guilty to assaulting three members of the Travel Safe team and one member of the public on April 15, 2022, after being challenged on his antisocial behaviour. 
The attacks took place in a train travelling between Paisley, Gilmore Street and Hillington East. One member of the Travel Safe team had to spend a night in hospital due to an injury. Jack, from the city's East End, appeared at Glasgow Sheriff Court on Monday and was ordered to carry out 160 hours of unpaid work and pay two of the victims £250 in compensation each. Martin Graham, BTP, Detective Constable, said, Assaults on train staff and passengers will not be tolerated on the rail network. Three members of rail staff and a man suffered minor injuries as a result of the assault. Jack was apprehended following a thorough police investigation. We would like to take this opportunity to thank the two brave members of the public who intervened on the service to assist the ScotRail staff members prior to officers arriving at the scene. If it was not for their intervention, this horrendous assault on the ScotRail staff members, merely carrying out their duty, could have been much worse. David Lister, ScotRail Safety, Engineering and Sustainability Director, added, This conviction reaffirms that abuse on railway staff, whether that's physical violence, verbal assault or any other form, will not be tolerated on Scotland's railways. Everyone has the right to go about their day in peace. And we'd encourage anyone who's subject to, or witnesses, antisocial behaviour to contact our BTP to ensure that those responsible are brought to justice. That article was written by Lauren Brownlee and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 2nd of February 2023. Glasgow Theatre Review. Former Pussycat Doll wows in The Bodyguard. An article by Sarah Campbell. And it was read by me, Corey. Last night's performance of The Bodyguard at the King's Theatre quite literally started with a bang. This high-octane energy was maintained throughout the show, which told the well-known story of Scarlett Rachel Marin, Melody Thornton, who seeks the assistance of ex-Secret Service agent Frank Farmer, Aidan Callahan, after she's sent a series of worrying letters from a shadowy superfan. With the timeless music of Whitney Houston carrying the story, it was difficult to avoid comparing the musical adaptation to the original 1992 film, in which the singer starred alongside Kevin Costner. Luckily, former Pussycat Doll, Thornton was at hand to fill Houston's shoes, and did so with all the gusto you would expect from a performer who spent over a decade wowing crowds across the globe. While she put this excellence to great use in flashy dance numbers like Queen of the Night, it was a pleasant surprise to find that softer songs like Greatest Love of All or Run to You truly showcased her outstanding vocal range. It was in part due to an undeniable chemistry with onstage love interest Callahan, an East Ender star who brought a welcome dose of warmth to the character of Frank Farmer who could otherwise be mistaken for the ultimate fun sponge. In particular, a karaoke scene in which he deadpanned the show's biggest hit, 
I Will Always Love You, had the audience falling for his charm, at the exact same moment as the show's heroine. Worth mentioning, too, was a powerful performance from Emily May, who played Nikki, Rachel's green-eyed older sister who finds herself living in the global superstar's shadow and fighting for the infections of Farmer with deadly results. Woven throughout the laughs, sequins and pyrotechnics were genuinely unsettling moments, which reminded us that danger was never far away thanks to a character known simply as the Stalker, played with ample levels of creepiness by Marios Nicolades. The flashes of peril ramped up to a tense climactic scene before Thornton herself tackled I Will Always Love You with all the melodrama we could have hoped for. In fact, it's a rendition so rousing that a scattering of audience members found it hard to stop themselves from joining in as the chorus swelled, despite a number of pre-show warnings to resist the urge to sing along. Glasgow crowds do love a party, after all. Thankfully, after giving the cast a well-deserved standing ovation, the whole theatre was invited to harmonise with one of Houston's poppiest hits, ending the night with the same invigorating jolt to the system as we experienced as the curtain rose. Our verdict? This sold-out show is sure to inspire Glasgow audiences to want to dance with someone until its closing night on Saturday, February 4th. For more information, visit etgtickets.com forward slash shows forward slash the hyphen bodyguard. You could also go on to Google and search The Bodyguard Glasgow. That is from the Glasgow Times, written by Sarah Campbell and read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times, on Thursday the 2nd of February 2023. Scottish Water charges on top of council tax to increase in April. An article written by Stuart Patterson and read by me, Corey. The water charge added to council tax bills will raise by 5% from April. Scottish Water has announced the hike to pay for water supply and wastewater services. It means that on top of the council tax, which is yet to be set, a Band D home in Glasgow will pay £502 for the year. Band B, which most properties in Glasgow are in, will see a £390 bill on top of the council tax. The highest level, Band H, will pay £1,004 for water charges on top of the council tax. Council tax bills are expected to rise when the council's budget is set later this month to help plug a budget shortfall in tens of millions of pounds this year. Scottish Water said the increase in its charges amounts to an average of 37 pence per week. That works out at £20 a year increase. Douglas Milliken, Chief Executive of Scottish Water, said, Our core service play a vital role in the daily lives of millions of people in Scotland. Our responsibility as a publicly funded body is focused on providing excellent service and water quality and reducing our impact on the environment on which we depend. 
The charges for 2023-24 have been set at a level which recognises the need for significant future investment to protect services and the current economic challenges faced by many. Charge levels in the future are likely to rise to meet our strategic objectives, meet the needs of our customers and to transform services so that they become as environmentally and financially sustainable as possible. This is followed by a table which I will read out as the band, the water supply cost, the water waste cost and the combined services cost. Band A, water supply cost £154.98. Water waste cost £179.88. Combined service £334.86. Band B, water supply cost £180.81. Water waste cost £209.86. Combined service £390.67. Band C. £206.64 water supply. Water waste is £239.84 and combined service is £446.48. Band D. Water supply is £232.47, waste water is £269.82 and the combined services price is £502.29. Band E, water supply is £284.13, waste water is £329.78 and combined service is £613.91. Band F. Water supply cost £335.79. Water waste £389.74. Combined services £725.53. Band G. Water supply £387.45. Waste water is £449.70. Combined service is £837.15. Band H. £464.94 for water supply. Waste water is £539.64. And the combined services is £1,004.58. That article was written by Stuart Patterson and read by me, Corey. Evening Times, February 2. Opinion. Soraya Siddiq says services are being pitted against one another now. Last week, the Scottish Government took to the pages of The Times to effectively brief against local government. To summarise the last few months, all 32 directors of finance in Scottish councils wrote a letter saying that local services were facing a £1 billion black hole. The consequences of that were laid bare. No longer were officials discussing savings. They were actually describing them as cuts. 
it should have been a wake-up call. The Scottish Government, weeks later, then announced its budget. John Swinney declared that local government was being fairly funded and that he had found an extra £500 million. Mere hours later, Cosler revealed that the actual increase was just £71 million across the country. And now, as councils consider how to balance their budgets, the Scottish Government sees fit to offer threats and intimidation in place of fair funding and respect. Preserving teacher numbers is, quite clearly, a priority for everyone. That councils have to consider these proposals to balance budgets lays bare the cost of the SNP's decisions in government. And further, the Scottish Government has seen fit to delay any clear announcement until the beginning of February, two weeks before Glasgow will set its budget for the coming year. This is detrimental to due diligence, effective and robust decision-making. But clearly, the problem lies with the actions of the Scottish Government. More than 80% of the net money we have to spend on services in Glasgow comes from the Scottish Government. The only tax power available to local councillors accounts for just 17% of the net revenue in Glasgow. While we agree with its overall aim of protecting teachers and supporting young people's attainment in our schools, the Scottish Government is placing huge pressure on every single other service that councils deliver. What about the protection of blue-collar workers, women on low incomes? the impact to potentially fall on blue-collar workers and our female workforce the most. By their actions, we shall know them. They are pitting services against one another. Their choice to govern by soundbite has brought the sustainability of local government into question. Councillors were elected to invest in our communities not to choose between whether to preserve teacher numbers or ensure bins are collected on time. All councillors face difficult choices, choices that none of us want to make. Last week, the SNP city treasurer wrote in this paper and publicly criticised his own government. The previously disciplined SNP are now falling apart due to the actions of their government ministers, though it appears that his plea is falling on deaf ears of his party colleagues in Holyrood. Instead of resorting to vague threats of legislation or punitive grant reductions, the Scottish Government should use its tax powers and exhaust every lever at its disposal to raise funding for local schools local bin collections, local nurseries and local care homes. Once these services are gone, in whole or in part, they are gone. This year will be really bad, but it looks like future years will see further reductions. The fault of this lies entirely with the SNP government at Holyrood and with the Tories in Westminster, says Soria Siddiq.
Glasgow Times News on Monday the 6th of February. Gender reform rally met with trans activists counter-protest. An article written by Tom Torrance. Hundreds gathered in the city centre of Glasgow as a gender recognition reform protest was met with a counter-protest forms of trans rights activists. Standing for Women, headed by a controversial gender critic, Kelly J. Keane, also known as Posey Parker, staged a demonstration on Sunday against the Scottish Government's proposals. The Gender Recognition Act was passed by a majority of MSPs in December, but ground to a halt after the UK Government blocked it using a Section 35 order. A counter-protest staged by pro-reform advocates and dubbed Cabaret Against the Hate Speech took place just metres from the event, with both sides separated by a police cordon. Speaking in George Square, Ms Keane criticised the Scottish Government over the case of Isla Bryson, who raped two women before transitioning. Ms Bryson was imprisoned in segregation at Cornton Vale Women's Jail near Stirling upon conviction, before being moved to the Mail Estate after a public row erupted. As part of the Standing for Women event, Ms Keane addressed the crowd. She told those at the protest, In your own lives, you cannot be heard. You feel like you cannot speak. She added that women have told her the state is gaslighting them. She added, The watershed is finally here. From this moment on, we're not afraid. We'll not be quiet. We will let women speak. On the other side of the square, at the counter-protest, attendees waved flags, danced and sang in support of the right to self-identification. A representative from the LGBT charity The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence read aloud the Dylan Thomas poem Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night, telling the crowd, Rage against the dying of the light. That's what we have to do here today. We do not have to show our rage with insults. We will respect you the more you put us down. We will show you love, because that's what our community is about, showing love, respect and tolerance. We will not go gently into that good night. We'll be here and we'll be dancing. An article written by Tom Torrance. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 6th of February. Resurfacing works have left this road in a dangerous condition. An exclusive front-page article written by Nicole Mitchell. A resident says a road has been left in a dangerous condition following resurfacing works. John Crossan, who lives in the Gorbals, has hit out at Glasgow City Council for resurfacing a section of Lauriston Road with what he calls is the cheapest option. The road was resurfaced using micro-asphalt in September last year between Ballater Street and Caledonia Road. John claims there were already issues within a month to six weeks of the work being completed and the road has been left with more holes than there were before. The 56-year-old said, It's just a surface of these gritty stones, and they've all come off because the traffic goes over them. They spray them onto the pavement, and because the road has a camber at the edge, they're all building up so the water isn't able to drain away properly. And the road is all full of holes again. He continued, In fact, there are more holes there now than there were before. So if they'd done it right in the first place, they wouldn't have to pay out to do it again. 
the response to a request for information which was submitted to Glasgow City Council confirmed the road was treated with micro-asphalt and the surfacing works cost a total of £78,757.50. The response described micro-asphalt as a cost-effective process that has the capacity to reshape and reprofile poor-conditioned sites that would otherwise require extensive preparatory works. It adds that the process typically extends the life of a carriageway by up to 10 years. However, John says he believes the method was chosen because it's the cheapest option. He said, the way things are just now, with the cost of living crisis, it looks like they've just gone for the cheapest option without even considering the implications. How did they come to the decision they would use that method? Has it been trialled elsewhere? It's frustrating because Glasgow City Council are just wasting council taxpayers' money on something that's not working, and the road is worse than what it was before. He added, if they do it again with that micro-asphalt, it will be a joke. A spokesperson for Glasgow City Council confirmed defects with the newly laid surface were identified and remedial work will be carried out by the contractor at no extra cost to the council during the summer. John, a healthcare worker, cycles to work and says the road is now in a more dangerous condition than it was prior to the works. He says, in my opinion, it's made the road more dangerous because of these ridges at the edges. A spokesperson for Glasgow City Council said, Lauriston Road was previously assessed by our technical staff as a suitable location for a micro-asphalt surface treatment in September 2022. Micro-asphalt is a widely deployed and highly effective material that's used to improve road conditions where appropriate and extend the life of road surfaces by anything up to 10 years. Unfortunately, during early inspections of the completed work, a number of defects were identified in the newly laid surface, and these issues were raised with our contractor. Due to the guarantees in our agreement with the contractor, remedial work will be undertaken on Lauriston Road at no further cost to the council or the taxpayer. Remedial work is now scheduled for summer 2023, when weather and temperatures are more suitable for undertaking this kind of road surface treatment. Our assessment is that no road safety repairs are required at this time, but we're continuing to monitor Lauriston Road closely. An exclusive front-page article written by Nicole Mitchell. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 6th of February. Increased charge for garden waste permits in East Renfrewshire agreed. An article written by Drew Sandilands. An increased charge of £60 for garden waste permits in East Renfrewshire has been agreed. Cabinet members have backed the above-inflation £20 rise ahead of the Council's budget meeting on March 1st, when it's expected to face a £19 million shortfall. Early approval for the proposal means the changes can be rolled out in time for April 1st and the start of the new financial year. Councillor Katie Pragnell said, Can I ask why the figure of £60 has been reached because it's above inflation? Many members will know we are facing tough challenges, so this has to increase, but is this in line with other local authorities across Scotland? A council official said, The fee is basically worked out on a basis to bring in sufficient income to fund our gap in the savings proposals. It's difficult to compare with other authorities because we offer a 50-week service, which I don't believe anybody else does. 
50 weeks basically works out as £1.20 per week for collection of food and garden waste from your household. Brown bins are used for garden waste and food waste, but the council only charges for the collection of garden waste. Another official said the cost of the whole brown bin service is estimated to be around £2.2 million for next year, but the income generated is only expected to be about £1.8 million. For both food and garden waste services, the cost of delivering that whole service is more than the income generated, she added. Council leader Owen O'Donnell said, This increase will help contribute to our cost, but not generate profit overall. As well as the increased permit cost, the council is rolling out an optional one-off charge of £60 to get an extra bin. A second bin would then require another £60 per year permit. Letters will be sent out to residents advising them of the changes, with permits then distributed ahead of April 1st. Increasing the cost of the permit was included among the options shared with the public during the budget consultation. Officials reported feedback showed refuse collection was a key concern for respondents. They said 48 people suggested the council should consider increasing charges and or altering the collection cycle. An article written by Drew Sandilands. Glasgow Times, on Monday the 6th of February. Lifestyle. Jules Holland will perform at Glasgow's SEC Armadillo. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Legendary musician Jules Holland is coming to Glasgow as part of a UK-wide tour. The Hootenanny presenter will be bringing his Rhythm and Blues Orchestra to 30 concerts across the country and will perform at the SEC Armadillo on Friday, December 1st and Saturday, December 2nd this year. Fans can expect special appearances from Pauline Black and Arthur Gaps Hendrickson of The Selector, who previously toured with the orchestra in 2016. Jules will perform tracks from a decades-long catalogue of music alongside the vocals of Ruby Turner and Louise Marshall, as well as rising star Sumudu Jayatilaka, who joined Jules for the first time in 2022. He said, Myself, my piano and my orchestra are thrilled to bits because our special guests this year are Pauline Black and Arthur Gaps Hendrickson. This magnificent addition will amplify our scar music credentials and bring an extra razzy-dazzy spasm to our dance capabilities. Coupled with our own boogie queen and enchantress Ruby Turner, this mix will result in one of the most dynamic shows we've ever had. But it doesn't stop there. Adding her delicious voice and harmonic enchantment to the evening will be our very own Louise Marshall. Further, for your oral delectation, we introduce the much sought-after and wonderful new voice of Sumudu Jayatilaka. All this music will be underpinned by the drums of my Squeeze co-founder, Gilson Lavis, and decorated by the scintillating soloists of the orchestra. Tickets to the concert are on sale now. This article was by Rebecca Newlands. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 6th of February. New council team catching fly-tippers has already issued fines. An article written by Lauren Brownlee. A new team dedicated to catching fly-tippers in Renfrewshire has already issued nine fines. The local authority is cracking down on the issue and has put six officers in charge of catching people and businesses in the act. 
The team will be identifying offenders, reducing the number of fly-tipping instances and increasing the number of fines and reports to the Procurator Fiscal. Nine fixed-penalty notices have already been issued, with four of these paid and five actively being progressed. Meanwhile, evidence is being gathered for one larger-scale investigation, and three private landowners have removed fly-tipping at the team's request. Working in two teams, officers are carrying out proactive visits to hotspot areas, as well as responding to reports from members of the public, and they seek to identify the person or business that has dumped waste illegally. They search the fly-tipping for evidence of the offender, including speaking to people locally, to see if they witnessed the waste being left behind and reviewing CCTV footage. Removal of the waste is then arranged through the council's street scene team. The team will also support the deployment and review of mobile CCTV cameras, make regular visits to local businesses to ensure they have the appropriate waste disposal arrangements, and work closely with volunteers from the Council's Team Up to Clean Up campaign to support them in their activities and respond to environmental concerns. Fly-tipping is an issue I'm passionate about, as I'm sure most people are, as it's selfish and has such a detrimental impact on our environment, team member Demi said. I don't believe there's ever an excuse for fly-tipping when our recycling centres are available. There's a special uplift service provided by the council, and there are many other businesses that can provide a reputable service to remove waste. It's hard to catch people in the act, but having this dedicated team will make it far more likely. Councillor Michelle Campbell, Convener of Infrastructure, Land and Environment, said... I'm delighted that there will be a dedicated team in place to try and catch these often-repeat offenders. Fly-tipping has such a detrimental impact on our environment, makes the area look unsightly and is illegal, so it's extremely important that we catch people or businesses, issue fixed penalty notices and report them. An article written by Lauren Brownlee. Glasgow Times, on Monday the 6th of February. Opinion. Proposed plans will take a machete to the city's education budget. The Tory View, a column written by John Daly. Education, education, education. Whether it's Tony Blair or Nicola Sturgeon, politicians often ask us to judge them on their record regarding this most vital of services provided by local authorities. After being elected last May and as a former teacher, I look forward to joining the decision-making process in Glasgow and maybe bringing an experienced voice to the table. Never did I think I would sit as one of your councillors on an authority about to take not just an axe but a machete to our city's education budget. That, if we're to believe the various leaks and rumours, is what's about to take place at the council's budget meeting this month. We know that the SNP Green administration in Glasgow has been told, funnily enough by the SNP Green administration in Edinburgh, to find more than £60 million worth of savings from its budget in 2023-2024. This eye-watering number of cuts will fall across most services, and as education has the biggest expenditure, we can be sure the machete will fall hardest and deepest there. The sort of cuts being rumoured include the loss of more than 800 teachers, as well as the shortening of the school week to 22 and a half hours, and that's in addition to further cuts to school resource budgets. 
I met recently with the EIS, which represents most teachers in Glasgow, and following on from that, I emailed all other councillors, offering a further meeting with the EIS to help inform them during the decision-making process. Depressingly, within the hour, I'd received a reply from one SNP councillor bringing the ever-constructive Scotland needs independence, etc. That really helps schools right now. The EIS says on top of the £10 million that was taken out last year, any further cuts, let alone ones of the magnitude proposed at this time, will see schools in Glasgow just unable to provide the support required by its young people a group already heavily affected by the pandemic. The truncation of the school week would equate to 97.5 hours fewer each year for every primary pupil, which adds up to 682.5 hours over their primary career. This will have a huge effect on their chances of meeting national standards and blow any chance of reducing the poverty-related attainment gap. All this without even looking at the effect on working parents. Significantly, the EIS says it will see Glasgow pupils significantly disadvantaged against pupils in other areas of Scotland. I know that my political opponents will try to spin the usual rhetoric about the big bad Tories, but I'd like to remind them of a few facts. The block grant available to the SNP Green government from the UK government is at the highest level on record. The level of spending for each person in Scotland as a result of being part of the United Kingdom has also reached a record £2,184 per person. And the SNP Green government underspent their most recent budget by £2 billion, analysis by the neutral Audit Scotland concluded. The SNP Green councillors have no excuse for planning these cuts and damaging our children's future in this city, and they cannot pass the buck, their usual tactic. Nicola Sturgeon famously told us to judge her on her record on education. As a former teacher, I'll mark her report card, Failed Miserably. A column written by John Daly. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 6th of February. School meal debt to be written off due to the cost of living. An article written by Drew Sandilands. School meal debt in East Renfrewshire will be written off for the first time after a charity highlighted the impact on families struggling due to the cost of living. Almost £43,000 won't be recovered following a recommendation from council officials who said over 80% related to balances of £20 or less would be uneconomical to pursue. The decision made by the council's cabinet comes after the Abalawa children's charity called for a debt amnesty to make sure children do not go hungry. A council official said the charity's research had highlighted the impact of school meal debt on families already struggling during the cost-of-living crisis and an amnesty would alleviate some of that financial pressure. She said all pupils receive a school lunch regardless of the level of debt, but the council does have procedures in place to sensitively manage school meal debt. The council runs a cashless catering system with online payments which logs the level of credit against each pupil's school meal account. It intends to review its debt recovery procedures, however. Currently, reminders are issued to parents and carers as soon as an account goes into arrears. After four days, a more strongly worded email or letter or text is issued, 
then if no action is taken, the head teacher will contact parents or carers directly. They might be signposted to the council's money advice and rights team. Of the current debt, £26,333 is historical, relating to pupils who have left school, and £16,589 is current. A council report added most of the debt is small balances, which has built up over a number of years for pupils who have since left the establishment. The total amount is now considered irrecoverable. Short-term debts can occur because parents or carers are unaware the account has moved into arrears, or because families are experiencing financial hardship and struggling to meet the costs of meals, the report said. The total debt equates to around 1% of the total school meal income budget for 2022-2023. Writing off this debt will allow families to have a clean slate as they move forward into the new financial year. The report added, following recent research into the scale of school meal debt faced by low-income families not eligible for free school meals, the Abalawa Children's Charity has called upon both the Scottish Government and local authorities to agree a debt amnesty for all outstanding school meal debt. Given the current cost-of-living crisis, the charity noted that reducing the debt burden for those with school meal debts and supporting them to make sure their children will not go hungry at school would help alleviate some of the financial pressure for thousands of families across Scotland. An article written by Drew Sanderlands. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 6th of February. Average speed cameras show positive changes. An article written by Lauren Brownlee. Speed surveys conducted on the road which has Glasgow's first average speed camera system in place have shown a positive change. Prior to the cameras being installed on Parkhouse Road in the city's south side, there had been four collisions which resulted in injury and one which resulted in serious injury over a four-year period. Since the cameras were installed at the end of 2021, there have been no injury collisions recorded. Speed surveys carried out prior to installation found that 74% of traffic on the road was travelling in excess of the 30 mile an hour speed limit. The average speed of the road has now reduced to 27.4 miles an hour. Alan Bowater, Area Safety Camera Manager for the West, said The recent findings are extremely encouraging and highlight the positive influence that the average speed system has had on reducing driver speeds on Parkhouse Road. We have seen a significant improvement in driver behaviour, with the 85th percentile speed dropping from 38 miles an hour prior to enforcement to 30 miles an hour, which reflects the speed limit for the road. The introduction of the average speed system has influenced driver behaviour to create safer roads for all road users by reducing the speeds and reducing the number of collisions as a result of speeding. We previously reported that since December 2021, a total of 1,013 drivers were issued with a fine after being caught driving more than the average speed limit. Meanwhile, a total of 131 drivers were reported to the Crown Office and the Procurator Fiscal Service. Only one motorist was caught travelling more than 60 miles an hour throughout one year. Councillor Angus Miller, City Convener for Transport, added, Residents across Glasgow regularly express concerns about speeding in their communities and sometimes a significant intervention, such as average speed cameras, is needed to improve road safety. 
Thanks to the cameras, the vast majority of drivers are now sticking to the 30 mile an hour speed limit on Parkhouse Road, and that means the risk of being injured in a collision has greatly reduced. Slower traffic is safer traffic, and measures such as average speed cameras will support our aim of no road deaths in Glasgow by 2030. An article written by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 7th of February 2023, from the news section, Clandestine Unit, called to recognise Lanarkshire war heroes by Anne Fotheringham. Flying officer Alistair Maclay knew the risk when he took off in a reconnaissance mission to France in November 1942. The 28-year-old, who was born in Union Street in Hamilton, was part of a unit flying highly dangerous clandestine operations during the war. The PRU Photographic Reconnaissance Unit captured more than 26 million images of enemy activity, which proved instrumental in the planning of major operations such as the DD landings and the Dambusters raid. Due to the perilous nature of their work, they flew solo operations unarmed and unarmoured. The death rate was nearly 50%. Flying Officer McLeod trained as a pilot with both 140 and 16 photographic recon- reconnaissance squadrons. On November the 29th, 1942, he took off from RAF Western Zoyland in Somerset in an RAF Mustang aircraft, Mustang aircraft, but he never returned. Both he and his aircraft remain missing to this day. Pilot officer Alexander Dick, who was born in Curlook, also trained as a reconnaissance pilot, serving with 681 and 684 photographic reconnaissance squadrons based in the Far East Theatre of Operations. He survived the war, but little else is known of both his service and private personal life. Now, Lanark and Hamilton East MP Angela Crawley is backing a campaign to commemorate men like Macleay and Dick, the brave pilots and navigators of the Photographic Reconnaissance Unit. The purpose of the PRU is to provide up-to-date intelligence to strategically plan the Allied actions in the war. Flying Spitfires and Mosquitoes, the information that gathered was used by all the armed forces, giving same-day intelligence on enemy activity. The intelligence provided by the PRU was used in the Cabinet War Rooms, now the Churchill War Rooms located underneath the Treasury, and was also instrumental in the monitoring of major shipping movements, such as the Bismarck and Tirpitz, and the locating of the launch site of the V-1 and V-2 rockets at Pinimund. The PRU was formed on September 24, 1939, and, despite having one of the lowest survival rates of the war, life expectancy in the PRU was around two and a half months, there is no national memorial. The Spitfire AE-810 project is calling for a memorial to the pilots and navigators of the PRU. Spearheaded by Anthony Hoskins, who has had a lifelong interest in aviation, the campaign aims to recognise the 1,500 men of the unit as well as the interpreters of the photographs, who were mostly women. Angela Crawley said, I'm delighted to support this fantastic campaign to commemorate those who served in the photographic reconnaissance unit. This includes Alistair Mackay and Alexander Dick from my constituency, who both serves admirably under exceptionally difficult conditions, while Maclay sadly lost his life during service. I look forward to working with the Spitfire AE810 project to establish this memorial, and I look forward to being able to pay my respects there once it is completed. Did you know Alistair Mackay or Alexander Dick, or are you aware of anyone who served in the PRU during the war? Visit Spitfire 
aa810.co.uk That's S-P-I-T-F-I-R-E aa810.co.uk Or get in touch with Tony Hoskins on Tony at spitfireaa810.co.uk That's T-O-N-Y at sign S-P-I-T-F-I-R-E aa810.co.uk If you can help. And that piece was by Anne Fotheringham. From the Glasgow Times Tuesday the 7th of February 2023 from the news section Asda launches free breakfast scheme for kids this half term Report by Katie Collier Asda has announced an exclusive partnership with Quaker Oats to offer children a free warm breakfast during February half term. Families are also being offered a main meal for children that cost just a pound in all Asda cafes as the supermarket hopes to continue helping customers manage the cost of living crisis. During the February half term, children up to the age of 16 will be able to get a free bowl of Quaker porridge from 8am to 12pm every day from February the 9th to 22nd in 205 of Asda's cafes on top of the existing main meal for a pound offer. The partnership is expected to allow for more than 50,000 bowls of porridge to be served to children across the country. Each child can claim one free porridge as an eat-in option at Asda cafes, as with the Asda £1 kids menu. No other terms and conditions apply. No minimum spend or paying adult is required to claim the offers. Recent research from the charity Magic Breakfast has shown that 81% of schools believe that child hunger has increased in their community in the last year and 94% believe poverty has increased. Additionally, 95% of schools agree that breakfast provision has positively impacted on concentration in class and 87% agree it alleviates pressure on family budgets. More than 1.1 million £1 meal deals have been sold to date, with Asda seeing a tenfold increase in meals served across key school holiday periods, demonstrating the impact holidays can have on families' budgets. During the end of December Christmas holiday period, 100,000 meals were served, compared to 40,000 meals sold at the end of November. In January, Asda announced that both its kids' £1 meals and over-60s warmer £1 soup, cafe initiatives, will be extended until the end of March. The extension also comes after Asda's income tracker shows that households' disposable incomes fell by an average of 11.4% during the fourth quarter to £209 per week compared to £236 per week in Q4 the previous year. Chris Comerford, Asda's Chief Commercial Officer, said, We know when families are preparing for the school holidays, it can often mean an additional strain on household budgets especially feeding and entertaining their children. We remain as committed as ever to supporting our customers in tackling these tough times. Our cafe initiatives continue to provide a lifeline for over 1.5 million customers since we launched them last year, and we hope by offering a free warm breakfast in the February half term, it will help support many more in the coming weeks. Devesh Parmar, General Manager, Quaker Oats UK, said, it's so important that everyone has access to breakfast to start the day, which is why we're partnering with Asda to provide free Quaker Oats porridge to children this half-term. This initiative, along with our new Share the Warmth campaign, means we can play a small part in getting a warm, nutritious breakfast to people who really need it this winter. 
The current Kids for a Pound meal menu includes a choice of six hot meals in selected cafes or a cold pick and mix sandwich meal for just a pound. And that report was by Katie Collier. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 7th of February 2023, from the news section, Milgai High School praised after inspection by Esther Tarnay. A high school near Glasgow has been praised following an evaluation. Douglas Academy in Milgai, Eastern Bartonshire, has recently been visited by inspectors from Education Scotland. In its findings, the agency said students reached consistently outstanding levels of attainment from S1 to S3 and in national qualifications. Young people are achieving much better across almost all national measures than learners with similar needs and backgrounds across Scotland. It also mentioned that pupils are young people who are highly successful, confident and exercise responsibility and contribute exceptionally well to the life of the school and the wider community. They have achieved an impressive range of skills and attributes through a wide range of activities. The full report is available online. And that report was by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 7th of February 2023, from the news section, Nicola Sturgeon condemns theft of iconic Gorbals Boy st- sculptures, an exclusive by Xander Eliards. The First Minister has spoken out after the theft of iconic sculptures from her constituency. Two of the three bronze sculptures from the Gorbals Boys, which Nicola Sturgeon said represent a real connection to Glasgow's history and culture, were stolen sometime before Monday morning. The sculpture, which featured three young lads trying on their mother's shoes, was created by local resident Liz Pedden and unveiled by the First Minister in 2008. Based on an image captured by famed Scots photographer Oscar Marzaroli in the 1960s, the three bronze figures each wore shoes of chrome. A police probe has been launched after two of the figures disappeared from their place in the Gorbals Queen Elizabeth Gardens outside the St Francis Community Centre. One of them looks like it's been fairly cleanly cut off at the ankles. The other looks like one of the ankles has presented a problem because it's got a steel rod through it. Anthony O'Doyblein, a Gorbals resident, told her sister title, The National. It looks like they've had to manipulate it off, so it must have been a wee bit harder work than they anticipated. At that point, I imagine they made too much noise and somebody must have seen something, somebody must have heard something because they never took the third one. A cordon was erected around the missing two statues. Odell Blind said that the many Gorbals residents have been noticing the theft when he went past on Monday morning. The sculptures have got a resonance with most people in the area, he said. It's a wee bit of a connection back to the more recent history, the tenement lifestyle, the innocence of youth. I think people are quite fond of them. They became a wee bit of a marker for people. The fact that they're not being abused by anyone until they were stolen just now, I think people see them as being part of the area. The First Minister also said the loss of the sculptures would impact on the community in the Gorbals, which is in her Glasgow Southside constituency. She told her sister title, The National, it is deeply disappointing to see two of the three iconic Gorbals boys' bronze sculptures so horribly vandalised. I was lucky enough to unveil the statues a number of years ago and I know how proud our community is of Liz Payton's creation, which also represents a real connection to Glasgow's history and culture.
Palace Police got to investigate the matter. I know that everyone in the community will support the return, as soon as possible, of the Gorbos Boys sculptures to where they belong. A spokesperson for the new Gorbos Housing Association said they were extremely disappointed to learn of the theft and confirmed that staff reported it to the police. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, Around 11.25am on Monday, 6th of February 2023, officers received a report of, a th- of the theft of a sculpture from Cumberland Street, Glasgow. Inquiries are ongoing. Three yo- local young lads, Lee Barton, Joe Reich and Nicola Giblin, were used by Payton as models for the sculptures. Mark Cerrone's original subjects had been unknown before the fresh attention was cast on the image by the artwork. Ian Doherty then came forward as one of the three kids from the picture, telling the Herald he did not realise he had been photographing Mark Cerrone until he was in his 30s and his mother bought a postcard of the print from Kelvin Grove Museum. He told the Herald in 2008, We used to live in Kidston Street next to the shop that is in the photograph. I remember it well. We just made use of what we had then. Those were the best days. Presently, he added, I am over the moon with what has happened here. I feel like putting an alarm on the statue to protect it or setting up a watchtower. And that article is by Xander Eliards. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 7th of February 2023, from the news section, Police officer slams sentence of Wishaw attacker by Maxine MacArthur. A police officer is lucky to be alive after a violent thug repeatedly kicked and punched him on the head. The officer, who asked to remain anonymous, insists Josh Smith did not receive proper punishment for his actions, which left him unconscious and led to him having to take time off work. Smith, 20, was convicted at Hamilton Sheriff Court of two counts of assault to injury and a further count of assault and received an 8pm to 7am curfew for six months, as well as an 18-month community payback order. But the officer felt the sentence does not fit the seriousness of the crime. He told 1919 magazine, During the height of Covid, people were getting custodial sentences for coughing at police officers and I've had somebody who, to put it bluntly, was close enough to killing me and all he's got is to stay at home. Where's the justice in it? Police officers go out every day and risk their lives because that's what we do. We don't know what we're going into. The assault took place on April 11th, 2021 when the officer and his colleague attended reports of a man with a knife at an address in Gala Crescent, Wishaw. When they arrived, Smith was standing in a garden. We got out of the car and told him to put his hands up and keep them where we could see them, the PC said. He complied with that and as we took a couple of steps towards him, he just jumped towards me. The only thing I could do was grab hold of him. I fell onto the ground, he ended up on top of me. And then he just started punching and kicking me. I remember trying to keep a hold of him but push him off me. And then I remember hearing my colleague screaming and hearing the radio call for help going out. Then I remember feeling heavy, heavy blows to my head, which was either him kicking or jumping on my head. I think that's the point where I lost unconsciousness. Defence agent Matthew McGovern acknowledged the serious nature of the charges but pointing out that a criminal justice social work report on his client was positive. Sheriff Liam Murphy told Smith that he was prepared to impose an alternative to a prison sentence. There were 7,046 recorded assaults on police in Scotland in 2021-22, including officers and staff being punched, kicked and bitten while carrying out their duties. 
While this was a decrease of 251 incidents compared to the previous year, it was 8.6% higher than the five-year average. A spokesperson for the Crown Office and Procurator Fiscal Service said, Assaults on police officers and staff are reprehensible and Scotland's prosecution service will take action to protect their safety. COPFS works closely with Police Scotland to ensure the effective investigation and prosecution of crime, properly addressing any criminal behaviour that threatens public safety and the safety of police officers. And that report was by Maxine MacArthur. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 7th of February 2023, from the news section, Scottish Water launches Ranger Service at Park near Glasgow. Report by Esther Tarnay. Scottish Water has announced a Ranger Service at a few locations, including one near Glasgow. The Rangers will patrol the paths and shorelines of four major reservoirs, which provide water to hundreds of thousands of people. The five-strong team will help the public enjoy the reservoir environments, protect the natural habitat and promote safety at reservoirs. There will be two based at the two reservoirs at Mulgai and one each at Gladhouse and Midlothian and Carron Valley in Stirlingshire. David Gray, Scottish Waters Rangers team manager said, We're absolutely delighted to be starting this pilot of a new ranger service at the three reservoirs with our partner agencies. Feedback from visitor management peers suggests that a ranger precedent makes a difference and helps support responsible access, so we're keen to trial rangers at these reservoirs to understand what difference they can make at Scottish water sites. It's hoped that, by being able to engage with visitors, we can enable people to get the most out of their experience at the reservoirs and emphasise the key aspects of water safety and responsible behaviour, while also promoting positive messages about what Scottish water does. Our partner agencies at Eastern Bartonshire, Middlethane Council and Forest of Land Scotland have well established ranger services and we will learn from these during the pilot. And that report was by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 7th of February 2023, from the news section, Warning issued to anyone applying for a new passport. Article by Katie Collier. Holidaymakers have been warned to allow 10 weeks for new passports if they're travelling abroad this summer. The Home Office has advised the 10-week deadline introduced during the coronavirus pandemic would stay in place due to an elevated and volatile demand for travel documents, according to the Daily Telegraph. Home Secretary Suella Braverman reportedly told MPs, We expect elevated demand for passports throughout the year, and demand can be volatile, so customers should continue to allow 10 weeks. I urge people to apply in good time and not, not at the last minute. It comes after figures obtained by the Liberal Democrats by submitting parliamentary questions which were shared with the Telegraph said the number of passports lost by the Home Office was at a five-year high. The Lib Dem MP for Bath, Vera Hobhouse, reportedly told the paper these are new heights of incompetence for the Home Office. British travellers who urgently need new passports have been left high and dry by these endless delays. With more and more passports going missing each year, it's no wonder people are fed up with this endless travel chaos. The Home Office needs to step up and take decisive action before more people are let down and lose confidence in these services. 
The publication of these figures comes amid a hike in passport fees, which came into effect last Thursday. From February the 2nd, the cost of applying for a new passport increased from £75.50 to £82.50 for adults and from £49 to £53.50 for children. Postal applications for passports now cost £93 instead of £85 for adults and they have increased from £58.50 to £64 for children. The government's webpage said of the fee hike, the new fees will help the Home Office move towards a system that meets its cost to those who use it, reducing reliance on funding from general taxation. The government does not make any profit from the cost of passport applications. The fees will also contribute to the cost of processing passport applications, consular support overseas, including for lost or stolen passports, and the cost of processing British citizens at UK borders. The increase will also help enable the government to continue improving its services. This is the first time in five years that the cost of applying for passports has increased, the Home Office said, adding that the proposals are subject to parliamentary scrutiny. And that report was by Katie Collier. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 7th of February 2023, from the news section, Women hit by car in Glasgow identified after five days in hospital by Esther Tarnay, community reporter. Police have identified a woman who is in hospital after being hit by a car. The 64-year-old was struck by a grey Volkswagen Tiguan car in Glasgow on Thursday, February the 2nd on Emban Street at its junction with St Vincent Street. She was rushed to hospital where she still remains. Officers could not identify her following the incident and have been appealing for the public's help. Now, the force has confirmed that the woman's family has been notified following her identification. We thanked everyone who shared information regarding this incident and they are still appealing for witnesses. Anyone with information is asked to call Police Scotland via 101, quoting incident number 3467 of February 2nd, 2023. And that report was by Isdor Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 7th of February 2023, from the news section, Women hospitalised as disturbance sparks huge 999 response in Glasgow. Report by Esther Tarnay. A woman was rushed to hospital after a disturbance in Glasgow yesterday. Emergency services were called to Mingouli Street just after 6.30pm yesterday, following reports of a disturbance. A 37-year-old woman was taken to Glasgow Royal Infirmary. The road was closed to the public as inquiries were carried out on the scene. A 37-year-old man has been arrested and is due to appear in court. Rumours on social media emerged that the incident was an acid attack. However, Police Scotland could not confirm at this time. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, Around 6.35pm on Monday, February 6th, 2023, officers were called to a report of a disturbance in Mingouli Street, Glasgow. A 37-year-old woman has been taken to Glasgow Royal Infirmary. A 37-year-old man has been arrested and charged in connection and is due to appear at Glasgow Sheriff Court. And that report was by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 7th of February 2023, from the Lifestyle section, New Celtic signing takes Scottish lessons by watching Still Game. 
by Isdor Tarnay. A Celtic January transfer signing showed he's taking Scottish lessons by watching Still Game. Canadian footballer Alistair Johnson took to Instagram to share with fans he's watching the iconic show. To his story, the fullback uploaded a picture of his TV and joked he is taking Scottish lessons. The 24-year-old departed from CF Montreal and became a hoops player on New Year's Day. He made his debut as his side drew 2-2 with Rangers. The right-back delivered a sound performance and felt the occasion had lived up to its billing. And that report was by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 7th of February 2023, from the Lifestyle section, Exclusive! Summer Nights at the Bandstand Festival lineup revealed. Exclusive by Caroline Wilson. Punk legend Susie Sue will return to Scotland for the first time in 15 years to open Glasgow's Summer Nights at the Bandstand Festival. Regular Music has revealed this year's lineup for the award winning event at Kelvin Grove Bandstand, now in its eighth year. The 13 date festival takes in almost 50 years of music spanning genres including country, rock, punk, and pop, and tickets go on sale on Friday at 9am. Kicking off the 13 date festival on July 25th will be the former Susie and the Banshees frontwoman, who has announced her return to the live circuit. Formed in London in 1976, the band released 11 studio albums and had several UK top 20 singles, including Hong Kong Garden, Happy House and Beatles cover Dear Prudence, which reached number 3 in the charts. All music named Susie is one of the most influential British singers of the rock era. Her songs have been covered by Jeff Buckley, Tricky and LCD Sound System and sampled by Massive Attack and The Weeknd. American I'm Out of Lug singer-songwriter Anastasia will perform the following night, July the 26th. The festival then takes a Scottish turn with folk rock band Cassidy taking to the stage on July 27th, followed by Glasgow's De La Mitre, who will play the two dates on August the 2nd and 3rd. Fans can expect a heartfelt performance from the frontman Justin Curry in his home city, and hits including Nothing Ever Ever Happens and Always The Last To Know. Other festival highlights include Up The Junction legend Squeeze on August 5th and Glass Vegas, who will perform on August 11th. Regular said female artists had always played a prominent role in the festival and this year was no exception. Pop Sophia Ellis Bexter, known for her effervescent live performances, will take to the bandstand stage on August the 4th, while Naughty's girl band Sugar Babes are also on the lineup. Mark Mackey, director of Regular Music, said, We are delighted to be returning to the bandstand for another year of summer nights and bringing with us such a stellar selection of world-class performers, including welcoming the iconic Susie back to play in Scotland for the first time in 15 years for her opening concert. The Delgados and Country Jewel of the Shires will also appear. Since launching in 2014, the festival became an firm favourite with fans, with artists and music fans alike, and scooped the UNESCO City of Music Best Live Event at the Scottish Music Awards in 2017. Tickets are available from Ticketmaster, www.ticketmaster.co.uk slash summer-nights-tickets slash artists slash 1992315 and that report was an exclusive by Caroline Wilson. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 8th of February 2023, from the Lifestyle section, 
Janie Godley shares message from hospital after winning comedy award. Report by Esther Tarnay. Jane Godley sent a special video message to friends and fans after winning a comedy award. The author and comic recorded the footage during her chemotherapy treatment, which she is receiving for ovarian cancer. In it, she joked about getting the recognition and expressed her gratitude for being chosen Comedian's Comedian at the Chortle Awards. The 61-year-old said, Hi everybody, it's Janie here. I'm actually getting my chemotherapy right now. And I want to thank everybody who voted for me for Comedian's Comedian. I have not done comedy for a year, so I think you're all very misguided, but thanks everybody. This has fairly lifted me up, and I cannot wait to see you all, and I'm sure I will. To lots of my comedy pals, this is such a lovely honour. And that report was by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 1st of February 2023, from the opinion section, Nicola Sturgeon will continue to support the recovery of the NHS by columnist and First Minister Nicola Sturgeon. The significant pressures on our National Health Service have dominated the news so far this year and it is no exaggeration to say that this winter has probably been the most difficult ever faced by the NHS. Our health and social care system and the tens of thousands of dedicated women and men who work in it has been dealing with a perfect storm of factors and, combined, these have led to many delays and much destruction for patients and staff alike. This perfect storm encompasses the legacy and ongoing impact of the pandemic, higher than normal levels of flu and other respiratory illnesses and workforce constraints exacerbated by Brexit. All of this comes on top of more long-standing challenges, in themselves positive developments, such as people living longer and ever-increasing expectations of what modern healthcare can deliver. Some of the solutions to these challenges involve continued long-term reform to patient pathways and models of care, all within a universal, publicly-owned NHS, free at the point of need, and so will take time. However, more immediately, we are now seeing some easing of the shorter-term pressures associated with winter. For example, though challenges remain, there have been improvements in any waiting times in the last couple of weeks. A higher proportion of patients are being seen, treated or discharged within four hours, and the proportions waiting more than 8-12 to 12 hours have fallen sharply, by around 40% each since the turn of the year. While there is no room for complacency, all of this is welcome and I am cautiously, cautiously optimistic it is a sign that the recent period of extreme pressure is now coming to an end. In combating all of the pressures on our health and social care service, there are no easy solutions, especially at a time when the Scottish Government has limited financial resources, but we are clear we need to maintain our emphasis on doing everything we can to help the service through the remainder of the winter and on into spring. Since the new year, I have chaired regular meetings of the Scottish Government Resilience Committee to ensure focus on the part of the government and our partners on the actions we need to take. And there is much good work being done. For example, the Scottish Ambulance Service See and Treat initiative is helping care for more patients at the scene so they don't have to go to hospital. NHS 24, which is recruiting additional staff, also provides a a range of advice and care that is helping reduce attendance at and admission to hospital. We are also taking further steps to tackle delayed discharge, 
including funding £8 million to secure up to 300 additional interim care home beds. Additionally, patients who no longer need to be in the hospital and whose interests are therefore not best served by being there are being urgently reassessed and those clinically safe to be discharged will be moved home or to an interim placement in a care home, freeing up beds for those most in need. These measures will help address some of the key issues across the health and social care systems, easing delayed discharge by purchasing additional care beds for those who are fit to leave hospital, and ensuring additional and adequate resource is in place for NHS 24 to provide advice and care for people without the need for them to go to other parts of the NHS. In addition to these shorter term measures, we have started to lay the groundwork for vital longer term reforms, including the first steps to establish a national care service, designed to deliver improvements both for people receiving care and the staff who provide care for them. We have also appointed a women's health champion to help improve access to healthcare and reduce inequalities in health outcomes for women and girls. Professor Anna Glazier, who has had a long and distinguished career in women's reproductive health, will work with partners in the NHS and across the public and third sectors to drive improvements in specialist menopause services, menstrual health, including endometriosis, and heart health. These medium and longer term reforms will, I believe, make a real difference to our healthcare system. Scotland's NHS is one of our most precious assets. I, with the Health Secretary and other colleagues, will continue to do everything we can to support its recovery from the pressures it has faced in recent years, not least as a result of the global pandemic, and ensure that the people of Scotland continue to receive the care and treatment they need. To finish where I started, I know that the last few years have been really tough and our health and social care staff have been heroes in the most trying of circumstances. Whether in hospitals, the ambulance service, NHS 24, across social care, in GP surgeries and many other settings, health and care workers continue to make extraordinary efforts. I'm enormously grateful for their dedication and commitment to delivering the high quality care for which our NHS is respected the world over. And that was a comment piece by First Minister Nicola Sturgeon. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 8th of February 2023, from the Opinion section, Susan Aitken, City Council budget decisions must and will be made here, by Susan Aitken, leader of Glasgow City Council. Next week, Glasgow City Council meets to set its budget for the year ahead. We will do so in the most challenging circumstances for public finances in decades. The cost of living crisis squeezing households across the country is devastating the city's finances too. The soaring costs of heating and powering schools and public buildings and need to increase staff pay to help them cope with the impact of rampant inflation has created a hole in Glasgow's finances deeper than at any time since the 1980s. At the same time, our citizens are more than ever relying on councils to deliver the vital local services upon which the well-being of our communities depends. As it stands right now, the difference between what we have to deliver success, deliver services for Glaswegians, and the cost of doing so is around £61 million. Where would to plug that gap with council tax, it would need to rise by around 25%. That's around an extra £50 per month for the average B&D household. A height of that magnitude would not be acceptable, particularly in the current crisis. It won't be happening, but it does show that the consequences of this budget will be severe and far-reaching, 
impacting on every household in the city. It is not a position we want to be in, but the, vi- but the very least class we need to deserve is honesty. We cannot dress this up. The SNP City Administration has, and will always, make the case for more resources for Glasgow, its communities, and for the service the Council delivers. But solutions to our immediate and long-term needs go beyond just more money. Those politicians reducing issues to the accusations of Scottish ministers withholding cash from councils are trying to take the public for mugs. The Tories clearly prefer pretending Scotland's financial challenges are happening in isolation rather than face our culpability for the cost of living crisis, the misery of austerity and its impact on public services and the long-term, real-term cuts to college financial settlements. And for Labour's Anna Sarwar, this appears to be a little more than a fresh opportunity for scaremongering and hypocrisy. Not only are his Labour colleagues in the COVID in the council the only party to have previously proposed cutting teachers or the holiday food programme, but Glaswegians rightly question the credibility of someone who uses their personal wealth, wealth to opt out of the very council services they claim to care about. Reliance on Westminster for the vast majority of its resources means the Scottish Government is financially restricted as local government. It is also the case that both the Scottish Government and councils have very limited leaders to assist our communities as we'd want to, want to in this time of need. But it is equally true that councils have been constrained further in their efforts by additional limitations placed on our powers by ministers at Holyrood. I fully understand the competing demands of other public services, such as the NHS or the police, I'm not suggesting local government is funded at their expense. What I am suggesting, however, is that, like other public services, councils like Glasgow have the flexibility and the trust of ministers to address their local priorities, especially given the councils were elected to do that very thing. Given the scale of the challenges here in Glasgow and in the context of the constraints caused by the lack of resources, the budget decisions we face must be taken by the elected members, serving the communities which they know best. In each of the previous five years, the SNP City Administration has ensured we've protected education budgets. We've seen the benefits of those decisions and the positive outcomes for students. That's why we'll do all we can to keep it that way. But it's absolutely vital to the well-being of our citizens, including our children and young people, that other crucial local government roles and functions that support decent public services and quality of life within the city are recognised and valued. Many of those services are no less important than, say, education or social work. Much of what the government wants to achieve, and cabinet secretaries care about, we here in Glasgow do too. Our priorities and aspirations are clearly aligned, and we will always work closely for that to continue. I am proud that our city has been an early and willing partner in expanding free school meals, nursery and early early year hours, or supporting the rollout of the Scottish Child Payment, to name but a few. But what we cannot be is treated as solely as a delivery vehicle for the national priorities at the expense of local needs. Almost the entirety of the additional £550 million announced for local government in December has to be directed at national priorities. It did little or nothing for Glasgow's budget gap, protecting the policies ministers were elected on, rather than the services local councils are expected to deliver. The choices demanded by Scotland's financial position are weighing heavily in everyone's elected to represent our citizens. But it's councillors who are accountable for the decisions about local public services. 
are called to remove the restrictions holding us back from setting local priorities and taking local decisions isn't just about democracy and accountability, it's about the very survival of those services at this critical time. Glasgow City Council's budget needs to fund all of Labour's Glasgow, Glasgow, all of Glasgow services and so, with the greatest respect to colleagues at Holyrood, the decisions about it must and will be made here in Glasgow. And that was an opinion piece by Susan Aitken, leader of Glasgow City Council. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Q and Review and to tell your friends about our service.